Mr. Rudiger, sir? Yeah, Pete. At halftime, can we watch some of the Indiana-Purdue game? There's only one team we watch in this house. Right. Every play, every play. Under control. And you men in the backfield there. I want you to analyze before you move. And if they throw a forward pass, wait till you see the ball in the air. And then go and get it. And let me get it, boys. That's when we go our offense. That's when we go to them. We're going inside them. We're going outside them. Inside them and outside them. We're going to get them on the run once. We're going to keep them on the run. We're not going to pass unless our secondary can look too close. Don't forget, men. We're going to get them on the run. We're going to go, 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 go. And we're not going to stop until we're over that goal line. And don't forget, men. Today's the day. We're going to win. They can't win us. And the fight. And who's going to go in there and fight, 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 fight? What do you say, men? Only God can judge me, that right? Only God, baby. Nobody else. Nobody else. All you other motherfuckers, get out of my business. Really? Perhaps I was blind to the facts. Stabbed in the back, I couldn't trust my own homies. Just a bunch of dirty rats. Will I succeed? Paranoid from the weed. And hocus pocus, try to focus, but I can't see. And in my mind, I'm a blind man doing time. Look to my future, cause my past is all behind me. Is it a crime to fight for what is mine? Everybody's done. Tell me what's the use in trying. I've been trapped since birth. Cautious, cause I'm cursed. And fantasies of my family in the hurts. And they say it's the white man I should fear. But it's my own kind doing all the killing here. I can't lie, ain't no love for the other side. Jealousy inside, make them wish I died. Oh my lord, tell me what I'm living for. Welcome back. Episode 16 of the Brotherly Love Sports Podcast with Eggy, Chris, and Ian. This episode goes out to Mike Holder, a true gentleman, a great brother, and a great friend. He looked out for his younger brother, Jim, one of my best friends, as well as all of Jim's friends, including me. Uh, Mike Holder is a legend, and, and his legend will live on. Rest in peace, Mikey Holder. This episode goes out to you. Boys, how we feeling? Good, man. Thanks for having and thanks for your words on Mike. Uh, of course, the Holder family is in our thoughts and prayers. and um, Yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's, it's tough, man. But glad to be back with you guys. Missed you last week, so yeah. good to be here. Yeah, where were you last week? I was. I don't recall seeing a permission slip for you was, to be absent from class. I was in Harrisburg um, and just, you know, holding it down in the 717, working for my dad a couple of days a week, so I, was, I couldn't. I was, uh, that precluded me from, yeah. from being included in this. So. Probably to nobody's surprise, but during my travels, as I've been fortunate enough to live in a couple different states other than Pennsylvania. Yeah. Down south. You're in Texas, right? Texas, yeah. South Carolina. The majority of people, which probably comes as no surprise, are unaware that the capital of Pennsylvania is Harrisburg. <laughs> yeah. I would venture to say that you pull ten people off the street, Jimmy Kimmel style, and ask them a question, what is the capital of Pennsylvania? 
I would say seven out of ten say Philadelphia. People say Allentown. And three of them have no idea. Maybe two have no idea, and one says Pittsburgh. Well, yeah. Philadelphia is not completely wrong, considering it was the capital at one point before they moved it to Washington D.C. That's true, but the question was, what is? Oh, and true, <laughs> we're talking is? about the state capital, yeah. not the capital of the United States. Yes, exactly. Oh, yeah. So the is the capital, and that'd be good old Star City seven one seven. Well, I remember being up in Buffalo my freshman year of college, and, and it was, I wasn't even from Harrisburg. I had to be from Philly. No one even knew no one even knew where Harrisburg was or yeah. what it was. And I definitely that didn't tell people Mechanicsburg because that's you're getting <laughs> blank stares. No yeah. idea. So, yeah, I normally just sit outside of Harrisburg. Nah, it's, it's cool. It's but, cool. Nice. Well, good to have you back. So, uh, Ian, what do, we got, uh, what do we got on the agenda? We got a lot going on. Dude, it is a – what is it, Wednesday? It's a Wednesday night in Philly, and it is the Wednesday – before the Super Bowl. It's been a tough week here in Philly, but we still have that excitement of the Eagles Super Bowl on Sunday. I can't wait for that, boys. The, the excitement is palpable. You can feel it. In the in the area, restaurants and bars are selling tables for hundreds of dollars, and a lot of them are sold out. Chris and I were at Fox and Hound on Monday watching the end of that Sixers game. They lost yeah. to the Bucks, yeah. and Fox and Hound is sold out of tables. Yeah. It's mad. That's crazy. It's really? I was I was speaking uh, with a bar manager, and I was asking him about what they had planned for the Super Bowl. He said, "I don't know. Just got off the phone with Claude Giroux. He wants he wants a table for forty. Ah, uh, first chef, you, uh, you go on. Just make sure you uh, hit someone or you get hit, and just make sure everybody's ready to go. And uh, I'm not I'm not too worried, guys, where I will be going because uh, this cross bumping already." For 40? <laughs> it's like, well, that'd probably be multiple tables. <laughs> and can you give me a little notice, Claude Giroux? Yeah, Jeez. Yeah, you got to hook him up, though. You do, but, man, that's a lot of people. Stick the whole restaurant, yeah, Claude. Jeez. But, yeah, so, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, I was just talking to my dad on the phone, shooting the shit, and he was, like, trying to get me to come back down. He's in Florida right now. I'd come down and watch the Super Bowl with him. I'm like, Dad, I'm in Philadelphia, and the Eagles are playing. Yeah. You don't leave. This, I would love to watch it with you, but this city is... Well, that's exactly why I'm leaving. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're not even going to be here, are you? Yeah, where are you I'm, going? I'm not even going to see the game. <laughs> so I'm, I didn't realize it, but when I booked my yoga retreat, <laughs> yeah, I, it was scheduled for the 3rd to the 10th. And I don't know. I wasn't. I wasn't messing around. Like when I say I like haven't been following the NFL. Like I haven't been following the NFL, and I just just didn't realize it. So I'll be in. Uh, I'll be at. I'll be at Shinalani. Resort or retreat resort, which is in uh, Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. So uh, you can't. You, like, I was selling. Well, I think guys. it's Puerto Vallarta. Puerto, oh yes, yeah, true, my bad. <laughs> but uh, like I was telling these guys, you can't even get there except for a boat. So I'm, you know, you can only fly out of a few different places. So I'm going to Seattle, spend a day out there, and then I'm flying there that morning, and then take the boat. And uh, turn off for a while, you dude. Know? That sounds awesome, but terrible yeah. timing. But great trip. <laughs> yeah, I'm for real, I'm cool with the timing, man. I'm not trying to be around here for this game, so that's, that's a little. Well, you may crazy. have to sneak a TV into that yoga resort and <laughs> nah, put I'm, on the game. Eric's gonna come back. He's gonna be super zen. Yeah, I'm just wearing, wearing a toga. <laughs> He's changed his name to Plays with Squirrels. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Organized sports are just so fascist. Yeah. I, just, I just really got he centered already, down there. He already, already on my way there. So. <laughs> he already does say that kind of stuff. Yeah. But, but anyways, guys, from Carson we came, and in Foles we trust. 
Oh, I want read a billboard. <laughs> that is a billboard in Philadelphia. I want to talk about how the Eagles got to the Super Bowl. Who is responsible? Who do we have to thank? And the first guy, it's an obvious one. Jesus Christ. Jesus, thank you. I'd <laughs> <laughs> be nothing without. Because who's more devout, the Eagles or the Patriots? Uh, we have Foles and Carson, who are both very devout. And Hurts. And Hurts. Because you know Gronk isn't devout. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm. You mean like devout? Like how many devout religious practitioners are there on the team? Yes. Ah, geez, that's a good question. I don't know. Uh, just saying, I'll three main curious. Eagles up there. <laughs> just yeah. saying, but who are you gonna say? Well, I, I mean, Carson's up there. He got us here. Everyone knows that. We don't even have to talk about him. But our D-line is the second group I wanted to bring up. No one individual. I like that point. That's a good point. But the D-line was outstanding all year. Best run-stop defense in the league. We have a good pass rush. And I think there's some weak points on this Patriots O-line in their right tackle. And their left guard. I think Sony's their left guard and their right tackle. They, the, both of those gentlemen um, have trouble with one-on-one pass rush. And you can't not double fletch. You have to double fletch or he will get your quarterback and your running back whenever. This is true. This is true. I, I'm going to be honest. I don't think I can name a single offensive lineman on the Patriots unit, <laughs> or for that matter, any other team other than our own offensive lineman. Yeah. But I per I agree completely with what you said. I think our defensive line, and not just the starters, but the depth we have on the defensive line, Brandon Graham, even Kendrick's coming down off the uh, linebacker position, Chris Long, I just think... We have a lot of people. Chris, back to your point. When you have that many D linemen as skilled as they are at full speed because they can rotate players in, that's dangerous. It's very dangerous. And they're all going to be extremely healthy, have fresh legs. Granted, so will the offensive line. But I really think in the trenches, you listen to the Ron Jaworskis of the world, all the talking heads, that does seem to be the main talking point. So I'm going to be very interested. I also heard of another interesting point someone was talking about today. They said the the referee crew, I believe Gene Salvatore is the head referee, but he said the crew that's refereeing has one of the lower uh, penalties per game averages of Super Bowl crews of the past. So they're anticipating a very physical, not that many penalties type of game. I like that. And if they're doing that, it makes me nervous, though. Are they going to let this Patriots line just hold us to keep Tom Brady upright? True. Or are they going to let us get after him? So I don't know. It's going to be very interesting who controls that line of scrimmage. I think it could be in the Eagles' best interest if there's not as many flags. I mean, if you look at that Jacksonville game, especially heading into that first half at the end of it, that play where they called a pass interference was just god-awful. Yeah. I mean, the, the fact that the Patriots got that call, um, they are known for, of course, getting those calls. So if you have a, a, a squad that's going to you know, lay off on the flags, that's good. I, I really like the point of the D-line. I mean, Fletcher Cox is not only very good throughout the season, but I think he's elevated his play in Atlanta and Minnesota. Um, and I think not just for sacks in the passing game, but for their ability to disrupt Deion Lewis. Um, you know, he's not very much talked about, I don't think, of course, you know, with, with Brady. Um, but he does a great job with establishing their run game that's that's going to open things up, you know, for the passing game. If, if, if the defense for the Eagles can do that, um, I think that spells a, a lot of kind of tough, you know, road ahead for the Patriots in that game. Well, I'm happy you brought up Deion Lewis. 
Deion Lewis and Amendola, two former Eagles that were both cut by the Eagles. Amendola has a Philadelphia Eagles jersey from preseason hanging on his wall. Tell me about the Eagles jersey that you have in the crib. So I, uh, one of my boys, I guess, found I was I, I played in Philly for a cup of coffee, so to speak. And so, uh, you know, thankful for my opportunity there. But one of my best friends sent me a my, my original practice jersey he found online on like a bid on eBay or but something. He found, he found it. Yeah. So he framed it up, sent it to me. And he said, this is a daily reminder of of how far you've come. And, and don't forget that, you know. They cut you, so it's uh, it's a ch- definitely a chip that I like to I like to plant I like to have on my shoulder as motivation to crush it. Really, I, that's funny because I have a Danny Amendola jersey on my wall right now. Every single morning I look at that for motivation. Do you? Yeah, I love Danny Amendola. <laughs> so so I remember you guys like Hard Knocks, great show, and I remember him being with the Dallas Cowboys and and them fooling him around and him getting cut from them too. Is that right? Yeah, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure that was that was him. Or maybe I'm getting confused with him, but I'm pretty sure he was like with the Cowboys too. And he was. You come a long way since 2008, man. Undrafted free agent to the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, you're right, man. Came a long way. Yeah, yeah, we might, been, we might, might need to fact check that, but yeah. I just remember hearing. Well, we don't fact check here on yeah. the Brotherhood. That's sports, true. That's shout true. Out, shout out Mike Rappaport. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Well, well um, as someone who's talked a lot of trash, yes. I'm very good at it. Would you be willing uh, for us right now to talk a little trash? about, uh, like, uh, white nationalists or white supremacists or Nazis? Because the president needs a little training oh, yeah. on how to properly attack these he, people. He, he needs a lot of training, he needs a training and a lot of training. these people. So the, the, the floor is yours. Well, I would call them Tiki Torch carrying, Abercrombie and Fitch T-shirt wearing, hipster, skinny jean, punks, rats. Like the great, it's Bob De Niro's birthday. Mutts, dogs, uh, scumbags. Can I say that on CBS? Yeah, you can. You can say scumbags. You can say scumbags? Yeah. I mean, good for him. He's Yeah, honestly, I like both those players. I hope we shut them down this week. But, guys, two other guys that have played out of their mind this year, Bradham and Kendricks. And just to end my point, another group who may have been um, helped out by the other groups like the D-line is our secondary. They have at least become respectable. Malcolm Jenkins. Rodney McLeod, Jalen Mills, Darby once he got healthy, Patrick Robinson. Our secondary is respectable. They're good. Yeah, I think they're I think they're very solid. We were kind of looking at that this year as a potential weakness, but collectively, I don't think there's any one play. I think I think Malcolm Jenkins is one of the top players at his position. But I wouldn't say you would put any of the other guys in the secondary near the top of their respective position. But collectively, I think the sum of our parts is is quite great and I think they especially in the playoffs as you've seen the past two games have been playing fantastic the one thing they do very well or at least they did very well in the playoffs which they're going to have to do this game is tackle well because Brady loves to get the ball out quick quick little slants quick little bubble screens yep and you can't let them take a four yard pass play into a 12 yard first down that's that's just backbreaker. That's yeah. a great point. And I wanted to get, get in on this because, and Aggie, I want your opinion. So the Eagles, when they play cover three, and this is something that's bothered me all year, they bring their corners back off the ball like between five and eight yards. And I know Tom Brady is just watching the film. He watches like four or five hours of film for fun. I know he's watching the film saying that he can take what he wants in the short yardage passing game all day. 
What do you guys think? What can the Eagles do to not give Tom Brady that, but still not let him get over the top? I mean, that, that rests with the D-line as well, I think. You know, their ability to run screens and, and read them is, is going to be essential for them doing that. That's why I said, you know, with Lewis, but then also with Amendola and the other guys that they have, they also like screens to the tight ends. Um, you know, I, 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 I don't, I'm not too too privy on, on the defensive schemes with the Eagles, but, um, you know, with that linebacking core, it, it is pretty good. And I, and I think it could you know, pose problems for, for what Brady's trying to do. But I, I don't know, man. I mean, Gronk is going to be a tough order for them if, if they start hitting him, and who knows. I think I think one thing, to, to your point of how they're going to stop those passes, even if they do slag, sag off them a little bit, what's key and what we've done an amazing job all year of is flying to the ball. So Jalen Mills, as long as he can hold him up, maybe he gets out of Jalen Mills' tackle. But if you've got a lineman coming off the line, coming back into the play, making that tackle, a linebacker flying in, a safety flying over, it's got to be a whole team to the ball once we make that first hit. Because even if he wiggles through, you got to have one guy, two guy, three guy there to finish the play up. And I think that's what the Eagles have done extremely well. That's a great point. Um, the Eagles are great gang tacklers. Yeah. Bird gang, let's go. But... Um, uh, that's a, you brought up another good point, Eggy. Um, that's, that's, that's all we do, Ian. We bring up good points. That matchup <laughs> with Gronk is absolutely key this, in this game. One thing the Patriots do, and this is Belichick and Brady, is they find ways to get the matchups they want. And Malcolm's going to be the guy that they put on Gronk. I'm not even sure Malcolm can do it, but they're going to try to get guys like Darby, the smaller Darby, the smaller 5'10", Rodney McLeod, the smaller Jalen Mills, I think he's six one, but still, they just are gonna find ways to get Gronk the advantage. And dude, he's the best tight end in the league, hands down. He might be the best receiving tight end. I mean, I don't know the intricacies of tight ends and blocking, uh, but I mean, he's right up there with to the Tony Gonzalez of the world, the, the best receiving tight end of all time. But I'll tell you this much: people that are acting like he's not gonna play because he hasn't cleared concussion protocol. First of all, I just saw a video of this motherfucker in a bright room playing Madden Live against LeGarrette Blunt with people screaming all around him, <laughs> cameras everywhere. So if those lights aren't bothering him, I'm pretty certain that Rob Gronkowski is going to be playing in the Super Bowl. I'm sure he's fine. And don't forget the, the Penn State kid. What's his name? Uh, James, not James. Um, good guy for the Patriots. Did a great job last year. James White, the running back? Nah, the, the converted lacrosse player. For the Patriots, oh now. Hogan, yeah Hogan, he's done a hell of a job for them too. So yeah, they've got they've got, they got weapons, man. That's the, they don't have a bunch school. of flashy names other than Gronkowski. Mm-hmm. I mean, Cooks is, was a big free agent signing, but it's that Gronkowski going right up the seam on you. If you don't, we need if we don't make contact with him early and you let him run that seam route. I mean, that's I mean Brady throws that yeah. ball to Gronkowski better than any other quarterback to tight end or receiver in the league because he can put it where no D-back or no safety can get it. And it's just with that big body, it's just impossible. you either got to commit a holding, a pass interference, or he's going to catch it over top of you. And yeah. Once, sorry, go ahead. go ahead. Well, once he starts getting consecutive passes too, you know, yeah. if, if Gronk's catching, even if it's, you know, five, seven, nine yards of catches, if he gets a number in a row, Brady's going to keep going with him. And I think I think that's been a, a big thing that they've done, just keep going back to him, back to him, back to him, and eventually it breaks the back of a defense. You almost got to treat him like a, a cutter in basketball. Anytime this star player comes through the middle or cuts, someone's yeah. got to be putting a forearm on him. You got to chuck the cutters. Like you have to put 
the linebackers got to give him a hit. You got to slow him down. You can't let him have a free release off the line. Yeah, our, our DNs and linebackers have to chip him off the ball. But, guys, I heard this on, uh, I think, Coward earlier today. It's pretty funny because all the Patriots' weapons are no names from random schools like Amendola and Hogan and all these Would guys. Too. And all the Eagles guys are like USC, bigger schools, Miami. Is that Tor- Where did Torrey Smith go? Maryland. Maryland. Yeah, we have like these bigger football school guys on our squad, and we are the underdog. And it's interesting because he brought this up. The Patriots think they're the underdog every year. They do. That's how they play. So it's going to be a good matchup. Chris and I gave our predictions last week. I said 33 to 28. What did you say, Chris? Um, I believe I went – we'll have to check the tape, but I do believe I went 20 uh, – 31 – I think I went 31-24. Okay. Yeah, 31-24. So we both think the Eagles are going to win. Eggy, what do you uh, think? I think the Patriots win. Yeah, I, I think they win. I, I, I'm i a little hazy on the score. Um, you know, I think there there's going to be some points put up. Um, I still – even though they, they did a good job scoring a couple weeks ago against Minnesota, I really just still do not trust the Eagles' offense to put points on the board, especially if they don't get a catalyst from a defensive turnover. Um, so I think Nick Foles is going to have his hands full, and I think the Patriots win. Um, I do think it will be a close game, but, um, yeah, I think, I think the Patriots go, go away with this one. And uh, it's interesting. I, I, do you, I remember it, we weren't that young in '04. With, with them playing, but it seems like this year, more so than the one that we were, you know, that we're recalling in 04, the, the, the hype around the game in Philadelphia might be different. I, mean, I, you know, I know we weren't in Philadelphia, obviously, but I think as kids, you know, we followed it closely. Yeah. There seems to be an intri- a different kind of feel to it. I heard someone was making a good point. They said one of the big difference was in 04, we had previously been to three straight NFC title games, lost all of them. Mm-hmm. And now we're finally in the Super Bowl, finally got through, still haven't won the Super Bowl yet. So you have all of the pressure of the recent failures in the NFC title game on top of the pressure just to win your first Super Bowl, where this one feels more like a, I can't believe we're here, all these injuries, Nick, back up Nick Foles, we're playing great, let's... Let's, we're, we're the hot team. Let's see what happens. And there's a lot of hope looking into the future. We're going to be good for years and years to come. Right. You have to remember, we don't we're even gonna... have Jordan Hicks, one of yeah. our... Oh, yeah. so many players. But that's Jason what... Peters wants to come back. Carson Wentz, obviously. We're going to be yeah. good for years, and hopefully. That, and that made yeah. sense to me, having to go... After you lost all those NFC title games in a row, just the pressure now that you're finally here. Like, we can't have another crushing loss to this city yeah. after three straight. So that's kind of... I thought that was an interesting perspective because <laughs> there's a very hopeful uh, excitement in the city right now. Yeah, it's it's cool. It's cool. I just I just hope they don't turn on fools. I, I have a very, very strong inkling that he's gonna play poorly and the city <laughs> the city is just going to fucking turn on him as fast as they can. Well actually, uh, Eggy, this is you keep bringing up these great points. <laughs> but it brings me into something I wanna do with you guys. I wanna go back and forth and it's fact or fiction. Ooh. Okay. First one is I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you, Chris, because Eggy brought it up. Okay. Nick, fact or fiction, Nick Foles will be a Philadelphia Eagle next year. That is a fact. Okay. Because even though Carson thinks he's going to be back week one, there's a strong chance he's not going to be back. I'm not sure what Nick Foles' 
uh, contract situation looks like or what the years or everything like we that. We have him for next year. I think so, next year would be his last year. Perfect. You bring him back. Wentz might not be ready until we – it gives you a little more time. You can say, hey, we're not going to risk it. We're keeping you out until that knee is 110%. I don't think it just pumped up the offense. I think it pumped up the whole city of Philadelphia. I think everyone down Broad Street heard that. Um, and I can only imagine what's going on in Broad Street right now. I know everyone's having a good time, as they should. So you have Nick Foles for the first three, four games. Bring Carson back. That's just the way it is. I don't care if Nick Foles throws six touchdown passes in the Super Bowl. You're running with Carson Wentz. Right. And then... You've got Nick Foles as your backup if, God forbid, something happens to Carson. And you can either try and trade him before he becomes a free agent in the middle of the year, or I guess you just got to let him walk that night. Honestly, I'm under the belief that... I'll go with fact. He's going to be an eagle. I like it. I'm under the belief that if he throws six interceptions tomorrow, or even if he plays a good game, we're going to trade him. And we're going to grab another backup who will be decent and do the same thing. So that's a good point. You could get some great value for him if he has a great performance. Right. So I'll go with fact, though. I think he's going to be an eagle next year. All right. Next one's for Eggy. Eggy, fact or fiction, the NFL or the XFL will be a hit in 2020. <laughs> fact. I'm going to try out for it. <laughs> <laughs> the new XFL will kick off in 2020. And quite frankly, we're going to give the game of football back to fans. I was like, I was looking that up, man. I, I can't believe that it's coming back. And there's some really cool uh, videos out, like on YouTube and stuff, talking about the first iteration of the XFL. And, like, first of all, um, I'm going to say fact. Okay. I, I do think it's going to be um, – I don't know if it's going to be successful monetarily or with ratings um, and with viewership. Um, but I do think fact it's going to be successful in the sense that the, the product of the game is going to be better. Um, when Vince McMahon and NBC Sports went to start the XFL, they actually had only a few months to get these guys together to play a game. So even though you had the he hate me and them running after the ball at the beginning of the game to see who, who got the, the ball at the beginning um, and all that, that hoopla, the product of the game was so diluted because these guys weren't at a caliber of the NFL and they didn't know they, they didn't know how to play together. Since we're launching in 2020, we have two years, which is plenty of time to really get it right. So I think with this time period that they have to get something together, they're taking the gimmicks out of it, um, and they seem to have a more pure stance about how they're going to approach the game itself. I think it's going to be a pretty decent product. Um, so I'd say fact with that. Okay, I'm going to go with fiction. I wasn't asking you, Chris. Ah, shit. My I have bad. another one for you. Oh, okay. Yeah, so. but I, I seriously consider trying out. I don't know if I'm going to do What would, you, what would be court? your name uh, on, the back of your, <laughs> on the back of your jersey? Eggy. <laughs> what would be Philadelphia's X, XFL name? Oh, man. I don't know. What would they be? Probably like... The Philly Fire. Philly Fire. That's already our team, isn't it? Yeah, that's <laughs> the soul. That's the soul. The soul. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think it's kind of cool, though. I was, I was pretty, that's pretty exciting. I don't know if I'm going to do quarterback or tight end. So I'm still still think about that. You should go tight yeah. end. <laughs> well, no. All right, Chris, now I'm asking you, fact or fiction, Tim Tebow and Johnny Manziel will play in the NX- XFL in 2020. That's a good one. Um, Tim, Tebow, Tim Tebow, no. I don't think he'll ever play competitive football again. I think he's into the baseball. He does a ton of mission trips. He's on television all the time. He's He has so many avenues that he can go in because he's 
the greatest human being in the world, stand-up guy, great on camera, yada, yada, yada. And he can smoke a fastball, too, pretty impressively. Is that right? Yeah, he's, 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 he's actually... No, I mean, no, as a hitter. He's, oh, he's okay, pretty okay. solid. So I'm going to say no to Tebow. Manziel, yes, because <laughs> I think Vince McMahon will throw a suitcase full of money at him because he needs to get household names. And the reason why I said fiction to Eric's earlier point is because... Let me ask you guys a simple question. Name me three arena football players. Players. That's that's tough. I don't know any. Name of them. Tommy Maddox. <laughs> yeah, like no one. Yeah. So, and the arena football is mildly successful. Like people go to those games. I, but no one knows about it unless you actually fall sport. No one hears about it other than the championship game they put on a Sports Center top ten or something like that. So you need big name players. So this is interesting. So I'm because, saying fact. Okay, yeah. Vince McMahon said that he wants no criminals and that everyone will stand for the national anthem. In the XFL, the quality of the human being is going to be as important as the quality of the player. So he's kind of going with that. So that's why I didn't add Kaepernick in that discussion because I think he's making a point with that whole political stance of standing during the national anthem. But Manziel has a criminal charge. I think it was dropped eventually. Yeah. but That's... Vince McMahon pandering to the white Bible Belt audience he's tr- hoping to bring in. That's going to be his viewership, and, and yeah. Just, but similar to many other people who have pandered to the right white Bible Belt type uh, part of the country, just because you say things doesn't mean you have to act good on those uh, campaign promises. So this is <laughs> Vince McMahon for the next year and a half is going to be on the campaign trail talking about the XFL. But at the end of the day, you need butts in the seats. And the only way you're getting butts in the seats is if you have reputable players with big names that people care to see. I hope uh, Johnny Manziel will be in the XFL. I, I always so. like Johnny Manziel. I, it's kind of a sad story that is linked to substance abuse issues when it comes down to it. And But I don't know. It's unfortunate. <laughs> it is. All right, Eggy. Fact or fiction? Kevin Love is happy that he broke his hand and will be out six to eight weeks. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to get this one, man, because I, I, I was thinking that. I was thinking. I obviously, I, if you step back, you know the, the guy looks at. I, I was trying to pull myself in his shoes. Guy is is taking some time away from traveling. You know, he probably his travel schedule won't be as bad. He is very very stable right now. I'm sure with where he's at as a player, where he can go. It has been not so pleasant on the court with these guys, and I think it's pretty beneficial for him to be able to remove himself from it. Um, I don't think that Kevin Love and a lot of the guys on the Cavs have demeanors that allow them to deal with conflict. Um, I don't think Tyron Liu has the skills to be able to deal with it in a constructive manner. And I don't think LeBron James is the proper leader to be able to deal with those sorts of things. And when you have a guy like Jay Crowder who is so apparently unhappy with what he's doing and where he is at, um, it's apparent that the Cavs right now are just like the, the perfect model of dysfunction. And and they've kind of taken it to the next step. So I would say <laughs> I would say Kevin might be a little happy that he's not um, in the thick of things right now. I, I bet I because because honestly, I, I don't think he has the gumption to want to be able to, to, to do those things and to stand up to him. I think you're right, and I think this is something that comes with LeBron James. Um, LeBron I think James, he's LeBron guilty James. Of a little bit of what I'll call LeVar Ball marketing. And I think LeBron likes to be in the media. I think he likes his name to be a headline. And that comes with a lot of drama. And I don't, And it's been rumored recently 
that Kevin Love doesn't love the drama. And he got called out by his locker room for faking an illness recently. I think Kevin might be happy. Chris, what do you think? Um, I don't... I'm very concerned with the Cavaliers. Let me just say that. I don't think he's happy. I don't think he wants to get hurt. But, actually, I don't think he's happy at all. Because he still has to travel with the team and hang out with these guys. And he can't even play. So he's probably just have to sit there in the street clothes and just be even more annoyed. But I'm really nervous for the Cavs. I'm very interested to see if they make a blockbuster trade before the trade deadline. Well, you can't trade Kevin Love now. Well, that's, you got to be happy about that. that well, I mean, I guess yeah, you still could because it's just a hand, so teams know he'll be back. It's not like an Achilles or a knee or something like that. But if you look at the Cavs roster, the only, they only have three really tradable assets. You've got Isaiah Thomas, who hasn't looked great coming off a hip injury. You've got Kevin Love, who currently has a broken hand. And the only other really attractive asset they have is their Brooklyn Nets pick because Tristan Thompson looks horrible. J.R. Smith looks horrible. Jay Crowder looks horrible. Uh, Kyle Korver's old as hell. Channing Fry is old as hell. They really don't have any assets that teams want other than Kevin Love, Isaiah Thomas, and LeBron himself, and that Nets pick. So there you could either have to give away that Nets pick, which isn't even going to be as high as they thought because the Nets aren't terrible. They're, it's probably going to be in the 6 or 7 range. Right, but they can't give that away unless LeBron... You know, guarantees he'll be back. You can't give away that asset. Exactly. So they, I mean, I don't know. If they lose tonight against the uh, Raptors, I want to say they're playing, they will drop to the fourth seed in the East. Now they don't have Kevin Love. Very quickly, this could be uh, they're in the five to six, four to ra- seed range and maybe a second-round playoff exit depending on if they don't make a deal. So I don't know. It's very interesting. I'm very. I'm watching my phone and updating my Twitter feed every five minutes to see the Cavaliers have done this. I'm really waiting for a trade to come. Really? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I just think I, I think it's going to be interesting to see Kevin Love's body language. I, I think that's very fascinating, especially with these guys, and they're so visible on the bench. Um, there is a very strong detachment right now with all the Cavs players, and I think you know when, when it came out on highlights about you know Love falling down and Crowder moving beside him and not letting him up, the question was, you know, did he do it on purpose? Did he, you know, not know it? That's not the answer to me. The, the fact is that they don't have a culture right now that's a pick-me-up culture. You know, they, they have a pick-me, pick I'm a me-up culture rather than a pick-you-up. And I think it was so apparent to be able to see a guy like that, um, especially if you think of Crowder. And, and I keep coming back to him because he is a, he is a blue-collar guy. Right, he's a blue collar guy. Came from Boston, did a hell of a job. He's a team guy, and just to realize how unhappy he would be, um, no, it's it's interesting. I, I I think they'll continue to have struggles, and I'm going to watch their their body language very closely because I think it's very telling, very very telling. You All like right. what I did there, Chris? Pick me up. As in I like, like that. I'm convinced Kevin Love hasn't been as good since he lost all of his weight. I like pudgy, ugly Kevin Love, not. Skinny, suave, millionaire Kevin Love. He was better in Minnesota. I, I definitely think he was yeah. better. In he was a way different player. He's yeah. faster, and I guess he shoots more now. He's not 
down low as much. He, he he's changed his game a yeah. lot now that now you mentioned that. Yeah, man, go back lot. to fat, pasty, ugly Kevin Love who just <laughs> bored, gets 20 rebounds and 30 points a game. You know, throws an outlet pass about 70 yeah, feet on the man, dime. I feel bad for him. LeBron is just, like, taking his nuts away from him. It really seems like – yeah, dude, is he, do you think that's what it is? Because he's, like, not – he, he is not the, the person that I've, like, seen over the years. I'm pretty positive, don't quote me on this stat, but I'm pretty sure LeBron James averages the most time of possession with the ball in his hands than any player in the NBA. Yeah. Literally, he just stands there, dribbles the ball, backs down, dribbles the ball, dribbles the ball, and then throws it out to a guy to either shoot a three he's, or he's cut. He's not an attractive destination anymore. He so, just isn't. So Raja Bell has a Ooh, podcast. Throwback. And, or I should say he's on a podcast. And he was saying that in the Philadelphia locker room, Allen Iverson days, there was a huge culture divide between, I think his name was Matt Harper and the Matt rest Harpering. of the team. Matt, Matt Harpering. Yes. Harpering. Yeah. Harpering. And the rest of the team. And he said Matt was unhappy. It was crazy. And I think he was on the Cavs staff when Kevin got there. He said the year he was on that staff, same thing in that locker room. Well, that's what uh, Screaming A. Smith See what I did there? Yeah. Stephen A. Smith. Yeah. Who, that's what he was talking about on whatever show he's on now. And he always goes into his real ghetto black voice whenever he starts talking about black culture because he's talking about, you know, and hey, I'm just going to be the one to say it. Kevin Love is a little uncomfortable with all the brothers fighting in the locker room. I'm just going to say it. And then he goes back into his eloquent way of speaking. Draft dudes who ain't playing for two or three years and say, I'm going to pick them anyway. Yes. That's what the Sixers were doing at once upon a time. Mm-hmm. This is how bad they were. This is why the process annoys me. So he said the same thing to what you're saying. So maybe right, there's cool. some truth to that. But, Ian, you have a ice-cold cylinder in your hand. Are you about... Are, Are you about to do your favorite segment? As a prelude to our next fact or fiction, I must crack open this ice-cold hams. I didn't buy it. It was left here, but thank you. I think it's Hams. Hams. This beer's for the boy. Number one goes out to James Harden. 60 points last night, 11 assists and 10 rebounds. Boys, you could say sometimes the defense is pitiful in the NBA, and at times last night... It was. He was driving in, getting buckets. But, dude, once they started putting a hand in his face, he was hitting step-back threes. He hit five of them. You can't guard that. They were in his face. Step-back threes. Good. Harden. Beers for the boy. My goodness. He, he's something else. He's something else. So, fact or fiction, Chris, James Harden will win the MVP award. Hmm. You know what? So he just missed some time, but he came back sooner than expected. I'm going to say that is going to be a fact. Because I'm thinking of who else could possibly get it. Can't be LeBron because the Cavs record's not going to be good enough. Kawhi Leonard's out because he hasn't played at all. Um, Russell Westbrook. So the Thunder ripped off some games, but there's always voter fatigue. They're not going to give it to Russell Westbrook a second year. Unless he averages a triple-double again, which would be insane. But... I think the Rockets are going to seriously challenge the Warriors for top record in the Western Conference. And I think Harden's averages with his assist totals, his shooting percentages. I think he, and defensively, if you look at defensive metrics, which I don't understand or know what they're even looking at, but by, by these defensive metrics, he is actually averaged to above average defensively this year. Um I think I'm gonna go fact. I think James Harden will win the MVP award. I think James Harden right now is a top five player in the NBA. 
All right, Eggy, quickly, do you agree? Uh, yeah, I, just by uh, process of elimination, I think he's he's been the most consistent out of all these guys. I still think I still think it'd be kind of cool to see Giannis do a good job, you know. But but with the rift they've had in their team, you know. But because uh, I think what is he still up? Top oh, he's still scoring. He's still near the top. Um, yeah, he's killing yeah, it too. They're just yeah. their records. They're just not as good. Um, but yeah, I think Harden. You know, he kind of got. He, you know, you could argue that he got snubbed last year. The last um, two years. Well, he didn't yeah. get snubbed, but Harden deserves it. The one year he had a great year was pretty much like his really really breakout year. It was Steph Curry with the unanimous MVP vote because he had an amazing year. Next year, James Harden again crushes it. But no, no homo, but I would love to get my hands on James Harden because I want to feel him because he, like, a couple times you get a picture of him when he's, like, flexing after a bucket, he looks yoked. Like, he looks like a tree trunk. He's kind of wiry, though. Just a yeah. thick, burly, I think the beard adds to it as well, but... I just want. I just want to get. I want to get my hands on. I want to feel what he. He feels like a solid, like six seven lefty tree trunk going through. Do you the know plane. how tall he is, Eggy? I think he's about six six. He's six five. Yeah. yeah. He's a yeah. big dude. Yeah. Like, yeah. About six six. Be like two twenty, two thirty. Yeah. He seems. Yeah. He seems like a pretty, you know, strong guy. All right. Next factor fiction is for Eggy. Kirk Cousins will sign with the Browns. Oh God! I hope. Well, well, first of all, first of all, let's update Eric. He's not normally up to date on. <laughs> I, I know about Alex Smith trading. Right? Okay, I'm sorry. I'm just making sure. Just making sure. Yes, uh, I, I did get a little like scared for that question. Alex Smith was just <laughs> traded to the Redskins. If you haven't heard, and you live under yeah. a rock, but Eggy, I freaking know, guys. All right. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I just, I, I don't know where he's gonna go. I, I think that's unfortunate for him. I, I hope just for his sake, it's a fiction. Because uh, I think the Browns are gonna um, they're gonna draft one of these guys. I think they're gonna do Darnold or the kid for, the kid Allen from Wyoming or uh, Rosen. So I I would say fiction. I think Cousins you know goes somewhere else, but he stays in there because you like that. You like that. I, so he st- he goes. He stays. I, I heard a potential spot. Uh, landing spot for him today. Uh, Mr. Old Spice Man himself, Von Miller. Coach, I'm delicate. Was mm. singing. Kirk Cousins praises and trying to re- spot, trying right? to recruit him to Denver. That'd be an great amazing spot. spot. Their defense kind of yeah. got shit on this year because I think they were exhausted because the offense couldn't keep the ball at all. But that'd be an interesting spot for him to land. So teams that are going to need a quarterback next year: the Jets, the Bills, yeah, potentially the Jags. Maybe looking to upgrade. At, maybe not after these playoffs. Who else? Uh, Why the uh, what happened with the Bills? They don't they don't like the, no. They benched Tyron mid year. Yeah, yeah, they're looking for someone with a little yeah. a little more uh, cachet, a little more. The Bills might be an interesting Bills, choice yeah. because you know they're not going to get a good draft pick. You know they might maybe they'll draft a guy, but they could trade for him. That'd be a good that'd be a good get for them. Arizona Cardinals need a quarterback. Damn, send me to Arizona if I was him. Mm-hmm. There's coach, a lot of teams. New coach, think, new system. I don't know who their who their OC is. But. I don't think people take that. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I think about it too much. But I'm of the belief that players really want to go play in fun, cool cities, just looking at where they want to live. I don't know if that factors into as big as a deal as I think it would, but that's got to be a big deal. I, I just if, if you're getting drafted <laughs> to, to Green Bay. Or someplace like that, or you go yeah. and play in the Midwest. Maybe, maybe it's yeah. not. I, I can't imagine these guys are real excited to go play and live in Indianapolis. Yeah, like you know, when you can go and live. Yeah, in if LA. you're sitting looking at the draft board, and it's like the next two picks: the Dolphins and the Colts. You're probably like, 
please send me to Miami. Please, <laughs> please send me to Miami. Yeah, like, yeah, you have yeah. to think they're thinking that. Exactly. What, what do you think is the most boring professional sports town for a player living? What do you guys think? Most, um, most boring, boring professional sports town to live in. That's tough. I, I'm going to go... Probably the Flint, Flint Tropics. This is history in the making. You're going to want to tell your grandkids and their grandkids and their grandkids. And when they look back in the annals of history, they're going to be talking about three things. Discovery of fire, invention of the submarine, and the Flint, Michigan Mega Bowl. Right, but still the game doesn't count. The trophy's 12 feet high, and it is glorious. I've seen it. Oh, yeah, and, and when we win the game, that big gun's going to shoot off. The cannon doesn't actually fire. It's a relic. We're going to win the Mega Bowl Saturday, 8 o'clock. Flint, Michigan, Mega Bowl. Flint, Michigan, Mega Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> no, but maybe the Pistons, Detroit. That's got to be a terrible city right now. Detroit yeah. might be one of them. I say I, I like ragging on Cleveland. Cleveland. Cleveland's like an easy target. On, Cleveland is exceptionally easy. And Columbus. Throw Columbus in there, too. Um, I've been to Cleveland. Know. It's pretty, what's Charlotte uh, like? I've been to Charlotte's Charlotte. Not co- Charlotte's not bad. Yeah, Charlotte's nice not bad. weather. Pretty cool. Yeah, I bet Charlotte's pretty cool. Nice little it's downtown a ma- major area. hub of travel, so I imagine they've yeah. got something going on. All right, Chris, factor fiction. Two former Eagles, not mentioned yet in the podcast, are on the Patriots defense. Eric Rowe, or Eric Rowe. Rowe, Rowe, yeah. Either way. Eric Rowe. And Patrick, Patrick Chung, Chung who, who I hate. Patrick Chung commonly <laughs> I, matches up with tight ends. I would love nothing. Is is the question? <laughs> Factor fiction. I will get an erection if Zach Ertz catches a beautiful touchdown pass over Patrick Chung. Is that no, the question? Well, I guess yeah. that could be the factor fiction. Was um, we will take advantage of one of those players oh. majorly in this game? Is that even a word? Majorly. Sure. It is now. It is now. I'm of the belief if you say the word, if you say language, a word, if you say a word, and changes. someone understands what you said, well, then you just used words. There you go. Um, but I say that's a definite fact. Number one, because Ertz is one of our main targets, so I think he's going to be obviously the Patriots are try to take him away. But Patrick Chung, he does not have the ability to stick with Mr. Ertz. So I hope. We take advantage of that match. I don't know. Chung is one of those guys. He's become a fixture for them. God, he's done man, a hell of a sucks. job for for New England, man. I know. So, I just have. Man. I just remember him on the Eagles. And he was so bad. Really? I, could, oh, I really? couldn't stand him. He's just one of those players that another one. Uh, what's Kurt Coleman? Can't stand Kurt Coleman. He was also another Eagles. So. What happened to that Kiko Alonso guy? Uh, Kiko Alonso is on the Dolphins. Yeah, I mean. we used him to tra- uh, trade up in the draft to him get Wentzy, baby. Him and, oh, yeah. is that right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So those guys, I remember they trade for all those. Those guys, that was crazy. They had all that talent. It was kind of a bust. Yeah, so I'm going to go with a fact there, E. All right, I like it. Um, Eggy, fact or fiction? And i got to take you through this because it's it's a long trade. The Clippers with the Detroit Pistons, Blake Griffins going to play with Lane Galloway, your boy. But let me just let me just tell you this trade real quick. Just, you know, the minor details of the trade. The Clippers took Blake Griffin, Willie Reed, and Bryce Johnson and traded for Tobias Harris, Avery Bradley, and I think his name is Bubon, but Bobon. Chris likes to refer to him as someone I, from Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings character. And a first and second round pick. Now, other key facts in this. Griffin is just signed this summer a $171 million deal 
Um, Tobias Harris, a big giveaway, averaging 18 points, 5 rebounds this year. And he has a low contract for the NBA of $14 million a year, and he has one more year of that. So that's an attractive piece. Eggie, what do you think? I think the Clippers absolutely won on this one. I mean, it, and from a personnel perspective and, and tactical as well, the, the Pistons are going to be able to uh, you know, have great size inside with Drummond and, and Griffin, you know, if Griffin's healthy. But you know, with, with Jackson being inconsistent this year with injuries and, and losing Harris – you not only lose your top scoring, but you but you lose a lot from from the guard and the wing perspective. You know they're going to struggle, I think, to be able to move the ball and finish on the perimeter, and they, they got to figure out ways to be able to get the ball inside. If you have, you know, if you go deeper into it with the contracts and all that stuff, you know, Griffin is older. He you know he has been injury prone. You know, you guys talked about his contract. You got guys like Avery Bradley and Tobias Harris. Bradley can go anywhere, I think, and, and succeed. You know, just because of the way that he plays, and, and because he's also sustainable, he can be around for a while. Just play really good, hard-nosed defense. And Tobias Harris is is going to be do nothing but get better. So I, I think that um, you know, with the Clippers still having a little bit of size and some real scoring power, even more so, I, I think it was an absolute win for the Clippers. And when I heard about it. I uh, I was like, all right, is, is Detroit? You know, are they packing it in? Because like, you know they, they've they've been trying to get you know Jocelyn for that last spot in the playoffs. So I think they're gonna they're gonna have a tough time with this transition. All right, great, Chris. Right. Thoughts? Well, oh well, here's Blake Griffin. So by no fault of his own, a lot of fluky injuries. But the last three years, he's played in 61 games. So just so everyone, the listeners, there's 82 games in an NBA season. So last year he played in 61 games. Okay. So he missed 21 games. The year before that he played in 35 games. And the year before that he played in 67 games. So he's injury prone, to say the least. That's the point I was driving at there. And he's an explosive player who came into the league as an explosive leaper who no longer is quite as explosive. He has developed a nice outside game. And he's a very talented player. When he's playing, he's a very talented player. But if you... If he's averaging around 20 to 25 games missed per season, and you just can't count on that <coughs> while he's making $35 million a year. So I'm of the belief that the Clippers won that trade. They've got a couple nice young players out of it. Tobias Harris is having a career year right now. He's only 26 years old or 25 years old. I think he's going to have another leap next year. Avery Bradley is a lockdown defender. Um People need to keep in mind who is making the decisions now for the Los Angeles Clippers. That would be none other than the logo, Jerry West. That's true. And, and, and <laughs> L.A. is a very popular free agent destination, right. and they just took a very large salary off of their books. And a lot of really talented players are going to be entering free agency in the next year or two. So don't be surprised to see DeAndre Jordan maybe get traded away for a pick or some more cap space, or another player. It's just, it's just very, uh, very telling when you get rid of your second all-time career score in Blake Griffin to pick up a first-round pick to shed some cap space. The Clippers team is going to look very different in the next two or three years, but I think, uh, I think it was the right move for sure. That's a great point. And the Pistons are currently ninth in the standings. And we own the tiebreaker of them because we have molly them every time that we've right. met them this season. So <coughs> potentially the Clippers could find themselves with a pretty nice pick if 
Blake and Drummond can't work out there. It's not going to be magic. It's not just no. going to fit together like a puzzle piece. It's going to be something they got to build chemistry around. Yeah. So the Clippers could find themselves with a couple extra trade products in free agency time to yeah. build a pretty cool squad. But let's keep our finger on this because it's interesting. The Pistons and the Clippers are ninth in their respective conferences right now. So yeah. I, I think over the next few weeks it's going to be really telling us to see – Obviously, how well this trade worked out. Because I, I think that's kind of yeah. cool. But say I'm the sure. Clippers tank the rest of the year. They have the Pistons pick, which will probably be like a mid-first round. They have oh, their own pick, don't. which they'll probably tank from now on. So it'll be a nice pick. These are some big assets here. Tank? I don't think they're going to tank. I think, the, I think the Clippers are going to – I think they're trying to make the playoffs. This year. You think so? Off. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're, they're right there with the Nuggets and the Pelicans. I'll be right? curious to see. See, they have an advantage. Obviously, historically, they've been a laughable franchise. But they have – a built-in advantage of residing in Los Angeles. So come free agency, that is such a leg up on the competition. Them, the Clippers, I mean the Lakers, the Miami Heat, the New York Knicks, these are, I mean, I'm not saying you're going to get the top free agent, but you're, you know, Tim Hardaway Juniors of the world who are like solid NBA players and they are switching teams uh, yeah, I want to go live in New York. I want to go live in L.A. I want to go live in Miami. That's why they're so they have that leg up. So I think, I think, I think they made a great move. All right, great. Well, Eggy brought up a coach I wanted to briefly touch on, Doc yeah. Rivers, formerly the GM of the Clippers. I think I made real a, name is Glenn. Congratulations, <laughs> Glenn Rivers. I, I made a statement Glenn. recently that Doc Rivers and his son Austin will both be out of the NBA very soon. I think that's becoming a reality. I think Doc will be on TV again next year. One of the worst performing coaches and GMs in recent history. He failed with DeAndre Jordan, Blake Griffin, and Chris Paul. Dude, he's out of the league. But another bad coach, Ty Lue. Don't want to really uh, dre- um, spend our time and on these bad coaches. I want to bring up the good ones. Here's my list. I want you both to react after. Are we, are we staying just in the NBA? or NBA coaches, yes. Okay. Number one, Brad Stevens. Great coach. Young guy doing a great job with the Celtics. Next, Mike D'Antoni. The same guy, the guard-focused coach that won Steve Nash an MVP, made Jeremy Lin look like an all-star, and is now crushing it with Chris Paul and James Harden. Great job, Mike D'Antoni. Next on the list... Dwayne Casey coaching the Raptors up to be being second in the East. I don't think the Raptors roster is something you see on paper and you're like, wow, it doesn't jump off the paper. But great job by Dwayne Casey making them second in the East. Fourth would be Spolstra from the Heat. I'm very surprised that the Heat are, you know, Waiters went down. It's a little different now. But when Waiters was playing, the Heat were a team. They were nice. And then... Two other honorable mentions, because they are awesome and their teams are still pretty good and they're legendary coaches. All-team bad skin, Coach Pop, and then Steve Kerr. I love the way the Warriors play. I think Steve had a, had a lot to do with that culture and uh, style of play. So that's it. Guys, disagree anywhere? What do you think? I, I, like, I like that list. What do you, um, I'd like to add a name in. Okay. I wanted to add one, too. You want to say it at three? On three? Uh, no, you can just go. All right, I, I Tom Thibodeau from Minnesota. Yeah. I, I really, really like Tom Thibodeau. I thought he was fantastic for the Bulls. He was the guy that that introduced me to the the ISO ball screen defense. 
that, that I think a lot of people have employed now in the NBA and other levels of the game. Um, he did a fantastic, a, a great job in Chicago. I think he's taking the, the Timberwolves to the next level, especially with that personnel. So, um, so yeah, I like that list. Very good. Uh, the guy from Toronto doesn't get enough enough recognition. They do fantastic for the for where they're at and what the guys that they have. Brad Stevens, I think, is is probably probably pound for pound one of the you know maybe the best coach in the NBA. How much um, does he weigh? <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> Shared an elevator with him in Brooklyn. I appreciate that. Uh, so that's it. Um, I was going to throw in name uh, Rick Carlisle for the Dallas mm-hmm. Dallas Mavericks. Mm-hmm. He's always he was one of the first NBA coaches to start mixing in a two three zone every now and then on a couple of possessions. <laughs> he's got an NBA he's got an NBA title under his belt. The Mavericks are always in the playoffs, always competitive. Uh, I think he's done a really nice job with that team. And he is. And he um, looks exactly like Jim Carrey. <laughs> he does, and he's the head <laughs> of the NBA Coaches Association. Oh, by the way, so. Ian, actually, I just thought of something. My, my, uh, you mind if I do a little. I don't mind at all. <sighs> uh, beers for the boys, shout out. More like a poor one out. Uh, with a heavy heart, uh, DeMarcus Cousins. If you guys saw uh, the highlight. He had the tragic Achilles injury, named after the Greek warrior who was dipped into a, a river, a majestic river that Hell made him immortal, except for the area where his mother was holding him. Why and he grew up, that? and he grew up to become a great warrior. And you would think you would wear a little shield on the back of your heel, but no, he chose to fight in sandals. And unfortunately, <laughs> why did his mom think of that? Come on, Athena! And, like. <laughs> and unfortunately, took an arrow to the uh, the heel. But Demarcus Cousins was having a monster year. I think he gets a bad rap, half of it deservedly so. But I think he's underappreciated in a way with just all the things he can do on a basketball court. But he's out. Uh, the Achilles injury is always weird when you see it live because oh, it kind of looks yeah. like they just like stepped on a Lego or something, <laughs> and, they, and it's because there's not contact and they're just like, ow, ow, no, oh, and then, so true. And then probably and one then, of the worst injuries I feel like you could get. Yeah, because like yeah. knee injuries are gruesome. They're falling over and you're like, Ugh. yeah, but yeah. the Achilles it really just, it like, just looks like they. Oh, yeah, so uh, shout out for one out beers for the boy. <laughs> Beers for the boys to Demarcus Cousins. Eggy, do you have one for us? I do, I do. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to go a little bit different with my uh, my sport uh, into world wrestling entertainment, but I'm going to give mine to Stone Cold Steve Austin, baby. You know, Donald, I don't think you and me have been formally introduced yet. My name's Stone Cold Steve Austin, and you're standing in my ring. If you're standing in my ring, what I say goes. Do you understand that? You don't have to answer that because I hope you understand that. That's a good-looking tie you got there. Don't get under my skin. Don't rub me the wrong way. Don't ruffle my feathers. Basically, long story short, I'm telling you not to piss me off. Because if you do piss me off, I'll whip your ass. Now look at me when I'm talking to you. Because I've done my research on you. I don't give a rat's ass if you're worth a billion dollars. Two billion dollars, three billion dollars, four billion dollars, five billion dollars, six billion dollars, seven billion dollars, eight billion dollars. You piss me off, I'll open up an eight billion dollar can of whoop ass and serve it to you, and that's all I got to say about that. 
Um, the, what? What? I love Stone what? Cold. What? What do you mean? That's what he says to people. He always screams what at them. He does? Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. Did he stunner someone recently? Well, yeah. So, and, and I think this goes to Vince McMahon in general. You know, they, they just had a whole, it wasn't just a weekend. It was like a half a week that they spent here in Philly with Royal Rumble weekend. And, you know, they did events from Saturday to Tuesday. They just left. But the week before, they were celebrating 25 years of Raw, right? And and, and if, I'm sure everyone that listens to our podcast has probably seen Raw. Oh, yeah. And it was so cool because they, they did Raw at the Manhattan Theater, which they did 25 years ago. It was just this small little venue. And they did the Barclay Center at the same time. Oh, wow. And it was really awesome. Shane McMahon and Stephanie McMahon were out on the, the ring to begin with. And Vince came out. So Vince was being all miserly. And then later, you hear the... The, the glass break and Stone Cold comes out. He winds up stunning everybody and you know drinking beers and, and it was just it was yeah. it was nostalgia. It was just dripping in nostalgia and Miller Lite. It was it was great. You do know that I all of my the majority of my WWE I knew it as WWF and WCW memories are completely linked to you and your family. <laughs> yes, yeah, family. Um, we used hooking to, the I, box literally up. Hooking, hooking the black box up. <laughs> Shh, don't black. Don't yeah. tell anybody. Those, the anti-black box commercials were hilarious oh back in the God, day. The dad who gets arrested. <laughs> but, yeah, one of my greatest memories is when, I think it was Trish Stratus, or Sable. Sable, yes. yes. Sorry, go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. Sable <laughs> came out with the black, black handprint uh, pasties on her nipples, and we just, I mean, this was when we were... Just entering young, young man. I, I remember that so vividly. Oh so Didn't we camp out in the backyard that night? <laughs> yeah, I don't that, know. That was a seminal moment of my childhood. I just was... remember that my mom was like, "Steve, yeah, what's <laughs> this? they shouldn't be watching what's this." this? Oh my god, man, that was crazy. That was yeah. crazy. So yeah, beers. Cheers to you, Stone Cold, and the WWF universe. It's Good stuff, man. <laughs> it was, it was good stuff. Well, thanks for bringing that Sable. up. Um, Sable. Sable. <laughs> guys, you know, we, we haven't been showing the Sixers as much love recently, and we promise we will go back to those Sixers once this Super Bowl happens. But let's wrap this up with a yeah. little bit of Eagles talk. Or, or let's wrap this up with a little bit of Sixers talk. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, we talked about the Eagles. Sixers talk. Let's, let's uh, yeah, they're, they're jostling, man. I, I, I think they, they're going to hold on. They're going to hold on to this spot. I think they win enough and lose enough to get to that spot. They're going to be right around 500, man. I, I like where they're going. It just like depends if they want to be aggressive and, and play and bead because if they play and bead, they're going to win more. I don't know, but uh, hopefully I'll play. Uh, I feel like, like I said, I feel like I've done the right things. And, I mean, if these guys want to win, I feel like I should play. And I'm ready to play. And, uh, uh, I mean, uh, although we lost it, I feel like we uh, win, uh, got a great momentum. So, I mean, if these guys want to go to the playoffs and, and win, uh, I'm sure the team can win without me, but I feel like uh, we also better with me, so I feel like they should let me play. But uh, we shall see what, what goes on tomorrow. I don't, I don't make the decision. I mean, I mean, it was so evident at the end of that Bucks game that Chris and I just watched that uh, tavern on Bra the other night. They are missing JJ as well, but wow, what a hole in their team and beat is not being there. Yeah, I mean, he's he's their number one number one option on offense. He just creates so many open looks for other people. He gets the other team in foul trouble. 
He, if he's not blocking shots, his presence is just disruptive with his size and his length down low. And we're just a completely different team um, without him on the floor. And it's very frustrating. It's very, fr- it's great when he's out there, and you're glad that they're taking precautions. But you just, you wonder if we're ever going to be able to take a leap into that next level of the top four elite teams in our conference. If our number one player, our number one go-to scoring option, can't play a back-to-back. Yeah, we have very little offensive game besides Simmons. And a couple other guys. It has been tough with no Redick, too. Yeah. But I think they've been great, man. They've had a couple big wins. They beat the Spurs. They went, They played the Thunder, played them real tight on the road. Um, they, I mean, they're just so frustrating. They're like, a, they're like a kid who one week in school gets an A on a test, and you love him and you hug him. Then that... Then the weekend he goes out and gets caught drinking beers behind the you know dumpster, and then the next week he he cleans his room, makes you dinner, but then he hits his brother. He just it's just it's a roller coaster ride with these right. guys. I'm cursing at the television half the time, and then I'm standing up cheering half the other time. I right. just it really is. It's up and down, and you can just tell how how young of a team they are because all of them have turnover issues in the fourth, and I've noticed Sarek having pretty terrible turnovers in the fourth recently. But guys. We play in Brooklyn tonight. We just lost to the Bucks, as I said. Yeah. Prior to that, we had a great game against the Thunder. We lost. Prior to that, um, we beat the Bucks. No, I'm sorry. We beat the Spurs. Prior to that, we beat the Bulls. We lost to the Grizz, and then prior to the Grizz, we beat the Bucks. Yeah. So we've been so, stringing some wins. Yeah. yeah. It's up and down. One thing that I've noted against these Bucks is TJ McConnell is better than Del Vadova. It's so clear to me, it's crazy. We need to sign, hopefully to a, a mild contract, TJ McConnell, either end of this year or early next year. He's got one more year left on his deal, as we talked about earlier. Yeah, and he kind of makes peanuts compared to a lot of these guys. Right. I think Del Vadova got a pretty decent contract, right? He did, yeah. That's the right, reason he left the Cavs. He does. I, fi- I, I love TJ McConnell, and I think... He's good. He actually shoots the three ball pretty well. I think he should shoot it more often. But I could see him. He just strikes me as the guy, and I hate to use the term gym rat because it's a very like abused term. Everyone's a gym rat. Everyone's always talks about. Gotta be a gym rat, Chris. Gotta be a gym rat. But I think he's the type of guy who will lock himself in the gym this summer, next summer, and become a forty percent average three. Not saying forty percent is average because that's above average, but have a three-point average around 40% and just become... I don't think he's a starter for the Sixers. I think he could be a starting point guard on a bad oh, bad team. But I think he could be your first guard off the bench running the second unit on a championship-caliber team if he keeps progressing the way he does. I love TJ McConnell's effort, energy. And, that, I mean, that's why he's got McConnell's corner. Is, I this, agree. is this McConnell's corner? This kind of is. This is McConnell's <laughs> And I agree. He's got that Eric Snow mid-range jumper. So down to a T. It's amazing. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, he gets caught a lot. Um, you know, if he if he's you know heading into the lane or a lot of his passes, you know, get picked off or just defense defensively. You know, you know he's it's funny. He goes hundred percent, hundred percent of the time, but sometimes it, it doesn't work. Yeah. You know, it's a little inconsistent at times. But he's 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 very good. I think if it, he's a guy that that'll play in that mid. 20-minute kind of area, and I think he's you know, that's good for him. I feel like I don't see him on the floor much with Embiid. I don't know if their minutes coincide that much. I feel 
Because a lot of times with the pick and roll with Simmons and Embiid, you have a big guy on Simmons, so they just switch it, and Simmons can't really shoot. I would really like to explore even a, a pick and roll with Ben Simmons and TJ McConnell. Oh, that'd be or, great. Yeah, because I just I'd Although like to better see, with Embiid because Embiid can yeah, shoot with a, too. Yeah, I just like to see them run that pick and roll because I feel like McConnell's got a, a I mean, his go to shot is the pull up mid range jumper. It's so good. And I, I'd like to see him with maybe putting the lob pass into his arsenal a, a little bit more. But but yeah, I mean, I love TJ McConnell. All right, gents. Well, let's wrap this up. Any other go backs or takeaways from the Sixers you want to mention? No, I'm good. I'm, I'm all I'm on the Eagles train right now. To be honest with you, I'm sorry, Sixers. I mean, I think the, we all are. Yeah, yeah I love them. I love them, but it's this this train is going green, and <laughs> I'm just very ready for Sunday. Yeah, but how about that Russ and Bead? Old hate never dies. Apparently, old hate because and old hate Russ was not about to lose that game to the Sixers. Yeah, they, he was. They were eyeballing each other pretty hard at the end. There. Oh, that dunk. Yeah. That dunk over Russ, though, and beat him? Was, he did that. That may have been Embiid's best dunk of the whole year. <laughs> really? Dude, nice. he dunked. And it, it could have been a charge, but Russ kind of dove out of the way. Dude, he dunked right on him. And then stared him down the whole way down the court. That's awesome. They've had some so, good games this year. Yeah. So, really so, Eric, I imagine you might be dining on crickets and, and leaves <laughs> uh, on Sunday. I don't know what they eat down in, uh, at these yogurt treats. But, I, have, um, I saw the menu. I but, saw the menu, and it's, it's eclectic, to say the least. But let's, let's assume you were watching the game on a couch in Philly you know, with, with the boys. Um, boys. I personally, because I'm a, a fatty at heart, have just been thinking about all the delicious Super Bowl uh, treats that I hope to oh, yeah. uh, what, are you, what are you looking forward uh, to? Eat on. So no, that's I, what I was wanted to see if you guys a have any plans already for what you're going to be uh, dining on. But even just looking back at your your past sporting events, Super Bowls, what, what what's your go to dishes? If the picture a plate. What do you want to see on there throughout? Yeah. Throughout. Well, uh, you can start with the dips. You can bring in the main courses. Whatever <laughs> you want to work in there. I would say I, I always a good. I always enjoy a good like buff chick or oh. crab dip. Oh. That's that's really good. I appreciate when Philly soft pretzels are there, and especially when they have the cream cheese and or cinnamon sugar oh. uh, dip. Nice. And uh, more for like an entree, I really like some pulled pork or pulled chicken. Ooh, um, you know, that's really good. good. And uh, you know, for dessert, just um, ice cream novelty treat. You know, <laughs> whether, you know whether it be you know what I would a really like? or a Klondike bar. <laughs> you know what I would really like? Some chili. Oh. Maybe um, if anything Mexican food wise would be great. Like maybe some uh, salsa. Maybe, maybe a little five layer dip. Five layer dip. There you go. Yep. Um, another thing, really great. Chris, I think you mentioned it earlier. You may say it next. Oh, yeah, probably. Some meatballs oh, yeah. in the right. crock pot or yeah. some pulled barbecue pulled pork in the crock pot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Two That's major I'm, staples. I'm thinking I'm, thinking I'm going to, on Saturday evening, around you know 6 or 7, I'm going to make my mother's famous meat sauce or gravy, as the Italians like to call it, mm-hmm. and just get a big crock pot of a thick, nice gravy with some meatballs and hot sausages in there. Yeah, yep. Have that cooking all night, and then this, the house just, <laughs> oh, it's nothing better. <laughs> and then you're just baby. smelling that yeah. all day, and then get some nice soft hoagie rolls. 
melt some cheese on top of those, a little meatball sub action. Oh, yeah. But to your point, there's nothing I love more. And I literally think about it every time the Super Bowl is around. Buffalo chicken dip. I fucking love it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's good, man. And it's the one oh, I love when there's good. nothing so better. Good. And I feel like girls make it so well. There's like there's always a girl that comes and is like, you got to try this buff chicken dip. And I'm like, you're an angel. Who sent yeah. you? You know what the secret is? What? Using real either oven or grilled cooked chicken and not that bullshit canned stuff. Nah, that tastes yeah. like tuna. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I, yeah. I, yeah you got to use the real stuff. But if anyone's got a great buff chicken recipe... I live on Ellsworth Street. Just drop it off. Drop it off. This podcast is free for you guys to listen to. I think it's the least you could do. <laughs> Wait, does that mean you are having a get-together for the Super Bowl? Well, I mean, maybe. Maybe you can just drop it at that place. I'll just bring it with me. Or maybe okay, just yeah. enjoy it myself. So, what, what, wait, like, what are you guys' plans for the games? Are you going to... We're, up in, we're up in the air right now. We we're going, we're the going. bars are selling tables, and I'm not about to buy a 3 yeah, table. Yeah, I don't bar. Yeah, think about I'll it. Because like, if you go to a bar... And I'll wrap this up soon. If you go to a bar, you got to get there at least by 5, 5.30. Yeah. And then so you're there from 5.30 until 11. That's a lot of money spent. You already bought the table. Yeah, what if I That's got... That's not... Uh, yeah, I, you watch it at your house or something. Yeah, what have if... Have some yeah, I want to be comfortable. got a bathroom right there. you got a fridge full of your favorite drinks. Tables yeah. full of food. I think watching, around. watching that like Fox and Hound is, is probably one of the least appealing things. Well, we watched the mind. Nova National Championship game there when they won on the buzzer, oh, okay, yeah. and it was amazing. That was probably pretty It cool. was sick. Yeah. But, dude, but the Super Bowl is so long, though. That's the thing. It's super, such a NFL like, game. They're so long. Yeah. It went like four hours. People want to go there because it's right on broad if they win, so yeah, they'll but, be the closest to it. Me, personally, I want to be at a house where I have a bag of beer, book bag of beer, ready to go. So that if they win, I can throw in my book, bag of beer, head right to Brawl Street, and have a beer while looking at well, your, Big Willie. Your brother's place That's, a, that's a open place. container, Ian. Don't, I mean, you can't do that. I'll pour it out and hide it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, I, I can't cool. wait, man. So, well, I'll be tipping my cap I'll be to thinking. Of, I'll be thinking about you. <laughs> I'll be um, hanging hanging at the beach, man. I'm looking forward to it. Can you meditate on the Eagles for us? <laughs> oh, just yeah. Just bring no. some po- positive vibes our way. I already sent them to New England. Sorry, man. It's not, it's not who you think's going to win. It's just to say a little prayer first. You know how important it, you know how much it would mean to my father who was at the last uh, NF, the Eagles title, Franklin Field, 1960? He was crazy. there? Yeah, he was there. He's Holy old. Hell. <laughs> <laughs> no, He's old. Cool. So, cool. you know, I mean, I just, I'm just very hopeful, optimistic. Keep my fingers crossed. Nah, well, I hope they do a good job for you guys then. But right. not for the other crazy fanatics. I don't really like them. Well, let's go Eagles. Should we uh, go out with a little oh, fly? We forgot, we forgot who the, uh, the sponsor. This, this podcast is brought to you by Real Food Eatery. Located on 16th Street between Locust and Walnut. Think Chipotle, but just normal American food. You can get bowls of quinoa, kale, chicken, steak, fresh vegetables, cold sides. Oh, Eat healthy. Eat healthy. Eat right. Real Food Eatery. And then drink on the weekends. <laughs> but anyways, gents, fly, Eagles, fly. Let's go, Eagles. Let's get this Super Bowl done, and let's party in it early next week. Love you guys. Peace. Love the listener. Peace. I feel the master. I feel them. Y'all ready? They ready? Well, come on. Well, come on. Y'all ready? They ready? We ready? We ready? Come on. Come on. We ready? We ready? Come on. Break bread, ho. Break bread, ho. Come on. Break bread.